0: Welcome to Carbon Trading Chronicles, the podcast that untangles the complexities and potentials of emissions trading. Whether you're an industry expert or simply curious about how emissions trading supports the energy transition, this podcast is your platform to join the conversation. Welcome to Carbon Trading Chronicles. Excited because this is our sixth episode and today we're going to focus on policy and price developments. It's exciting times and I'm even more excited because today in the studio we have with us Frederick Simon, Senior Editor for Eurective and soon to join Carbon Pulse as Head of EMA. Hi, pleased to be here. Um, so yeah, we are, we have a bit of exclusivity here to to have you here. And also with us today is Brieux uh, de Thiers. I always have some problems with pronouncing French names.
1: Pay attention, please. It's not a French name. It's a Belgian a name. A Belgian <laughs> name.
0: Even worse. Um, carbon emissions trader with a focus on, on France and uh, Francophone uh, countries. And, Hi, and Belgium. <laughs> and Belgium. Hi, Stefan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, exciting times. Um, first, because we've seen a big price drop since the beginning of the years. And second, because we are gearing up... Uh, the political landscape. Uh, We know that this market has been created by a political decision and so it's highly influenced by anything that really happens on the political landscape. Uh, Let's start with the price. Um, So first of all, we have this little thing here in this podcast where, you know, out of context, we ask people, are they bullish or bearish? And we want to do the same uh, here and I'm going to start today. Currently I am definitely bearish. What about you, Frederick?
2: Well, um, I'll contradict you just for the sake of it, and uh, I'm definitely bullish, but more in the long term. Fair enough. you
0: what about you?
1: I'm 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 actually like you, Stefan. I'm 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 totally bearish on this market uh, for for several reasons. I would say that being bullish on the long term is quite uh, easy on the EUA market, indeed. Mm-hmm. But on the shorter term, I would say I'm bearish, definitely. Different reasons. I, I'll point three of them. Yeah. Uh, the first one would be the fundamental balance of the market, mm-hmm. uh, which is currently, let's say um, that the stake where the demand of 2024 is expected to be more or less the same as the supply uh, yeah. in 2024. So the market should be balanced for, for 2024, which is the first time in, in in many years, because we usually have a short market. Yeah, which is exciting or interesting
0: also, because uh, it's the first year 2024 where we have a stronger LRF. And nevertheless, we actually have more supply this year than we had last year, right? More auctions coming to the market.
1: Exactly. Um, mainly because of the, the, the front loading of some auctions that should have been, uh, some EUAs that should have been auctioned in the later years. The that so-called
0: we already... repower EU, uh, actually an important one that we want to touch base on afterwards. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that, that's one of the reasons. So supply and demand should be more or less equal for this year. First yeah. time in, in many years. Second reason is the speculators. and we, we talk about speculators a lot on this market, and they are currently holding a very, very short position, a net short position of 38 million EUAs, which is almost the biggest short position ever. Uh, and the last one is the energy mix which has been pretty bearish uh, those those uh, the last weeks and months and which is let's say pulling the eua price down as well
0: and i want to jump on and in on that as a, as well the um the, the net short position is almost the biggest uh, we had a slightly bigger one in mid-december but actually the total short position is the biggest and that's that's an interesting development where i wonder if you know how long term or short term are these guys thinking and in other words are there other funds maybe that are gonna start to build a bit of a more long-term position again right or in other words where is a bottom where long-term oriented funds are saying well that's that's a good time now to go along we've seen that i mean not really comparable but in 2020 When Corona happened and initially the price didn't really react much, but then somewhere in mid-March, all of a sudden you saw that knife falling down to, I think, 16 euros. Uh, My initial reaction was, well, it should continue because, you know, the world is coming to a halt, but actually it turned around very quickly and within a couple of weeks uh, really recovered. So that's that's a question if we have something like that right now, or is it different because it's not an exogenous shock and it's more of a midterm fundamental issue?
1: Well, my guess would be that it's going to be linked to the macroeconomical situation in Europe, I would say at the mm. moment that, that markets will, will start facing going up again and overall market and economy in general well um, speculators will be less and less bearish and they will they will have to, sh- to to start closing these short positions which might lead the market to go up and quite quickly because their their natural position is very big at the moment so they have to close it at some point so I would say that on the short to long term I would say starting second part of 2024 we might see market going back up at some point there will be this, this shift right and we're going to talk about it a bit more in detail uh,
0: later when we also We're gonna discuss potential market intervention, yes or no, or but let's focus first a little bit on what's hot in policy, right? Let's let's discuss, let's put it a little bit into perspective. What else is happening there on the EU climate policy? Uh, Frederick, if you can give us a little bit, a couple of uh, ideas, what do you think is uh, key here?
2: Right. So the big discussion in town uh, now around the European institutions is the target that is going to be adopted for 2014. European Commission came up with a recommendation mm-hmm. uh, last week. So that's still pretty fresh. And the recommendation is 90% emissions reduction for 2040. So that's on the way to net zero sometime in the, before 2050. Yeah. Uh, that means essentially keeping the same pace of emissions reduction between now and 2030, which Mm -hmm. has been kept, minus uh, 55 for 2030, Mm -hmm. the whole fit for 55 package, keeping the same pace of reduction to 2040, that would bring us to minus uh, 90%. It's only a recommendation Mm -hmm. at this stage there's and no it legislation. It has to, it on has the to table. go through the
0: full uh, legislative process.
2: Yeah, it hasn't even started, actually, Yeah, because this ah, is uh, a lot of people got it's that. It's actually not a
0: legislative proposal. Which it is it, not,
2: yeah. exactly. A okay. lot of people got that wrong. Mm-hmm. The Commission only
0: made a recommendation. And, and this why is some, that? Why didn't they, as usual, add a uh, legislative proposal?
2: That's because they had to. There was a commitment that was made, I think, back in the Paris Agreement mm-hmm. that after the first stock take, and that's happened at COP28 in yeah. Dubai, the um, uh, the parties to the Paris Agreement should present uh, these midterm uh, emissions targets uh-huh. six months after the stock
0: take. All right. So it was not, I, I, I was thinking, maybe it has to do with the farmer protests outside. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's well, also so not political calculation because of uh, the elections and all of that, that maybe they wanted to push Well, actually,
2: like- they wanted to do that, so they had a choice. They mm-hmm. could have pushed it, back a little bit Mm -hmm. until the time which is closer to the election, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to avoid that.
0: Ah, yeah. Okay. So
2: the choice that the commission made was, okay, let's have this in February, which is sufficiently before the election so that this doesn't come polluting the whole election debate. We're still in February. The election is in June. I don't think many people will be talking about the 2040 target uh, then. But so just to emphasize the point again, commission made a recommendation. Now it will be up to the next commission, the one coming after Mm -hmm. the June European election to decide what they want to do with this. They can completely ignore it. They can withhold it. Mm -hmm. It's entirely up to the new executive to make a choice as to what they put on the table. They can, they can, uh, they don't have to stick to the 90% target. They can propose something different.
0: But but would I mean, how likely is it that the Green Deal is is, is dead just because the commission would change, right? Or you think... Well, that's that's a possibility, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And Obviously,
2: there are some who would put their hopes in a mm. way, those who want the Green Deal to be a bit diluted, yeah. uh, would want a more right wing European Parliament. This mm. is, you know, all the projections are pointing to a much more right wing European Parliament with extreme far right parties or more a bit, you know, less nationalist mm. uh, parties, which are very skeptical. Uh, to say the least, uh, towards the Green Deal and will try their best to dilute it. Even if you take actually the the more centrist European People's Party, mm. which has the Christian Democrats mm-hmm. among them, the German Christian Democrats, they've been pushing back quite a bit yeah. on all kinds of Green Deal legislation, especially the one relating uh, to farming. So the expectation at the moment is that you will have a more right-wing parliament and probably, therefore, a more right-wing Commission, commission or more, more right-wing program and right a less less bullish climate policy. So
1: to, to summarize, yeah. what you are telling us at the moment is that it's not sure at all that this ninety percent target will be approved, and in case it is, it will only be in a couple of years. I don't um, think a
0: couple of years, right? I mean, it sounds to me like unless the commission is is really against it, right? To see such a big shift, it's probably not a high likelihood, no.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at this moment, it's purely speculative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the likelihood at the moment is that you will get a new commission, which is probably going to be, again, headed by Ursula von der Leyen. Oh, this right. is highest likelihood uh, at the moment. And that commission will be pursuing the policies of the first von der Leyen commission, but, but with, maybe with, with a different with, focus. With a different right? focus.
0: And, and, and thats I have a friend who's uh, head of analysis in, in a research house, and we recently talked about some EU targets of the green deal and I'm like yeah, well but how likely is that to be reached and and he's like no no it's not going to be reached none of the uh, green deal targets are going to be reached like, none of them i mean that was you know yeah. talking privately but he said i mean we're so far off in in you know be it carbon capture and storage or hydrogen or many of that that it's a big challenge really and you know when it before it was kind of time to make the the policies and the goals maybe it almost flows naturally now to see how can we get there right and how can industry be supported etc to actually exactly and that's the other
2: big talking town because with these elections uh, coming the new commission being appointed in a few months the focus for sure will be on implementation this yeah. is what every official at the commission has been saying uh, already for a year mm-hmm. is that the focus now needs to be on implementation meaning reaching the 2030 targets yeah. because the first the first Runderland commission set this very am- ambitious targets they were not very much questioned, yeah, yeah. Uh, the targets. Yes, there were people in the industry saying, okay, but yeah. how are we going to meet them? The politicians, none of them seriously questioned them. Not, not in the commission, but not either. And that is very surprising to me, not among the member states mm. either. Because mm-hmm. usually when you get these uh, targets discussions, Yeah. You know, you get the leaders in the EU summits discussing these kinds of things. And yes, you typically get some of the skeptics like the Poles, the Hungarians and the Czechs saying, hey, you know, we should maybe dilute these targets a bit. It's going to be very difficult uh, to meet. This time it didn't happen. There was a little bit of resistance, but everybody was very bullish saying, yeah, let's go for net zero. Let's go for minus 55. And when the uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine came everybody thought, oh, they're going to dilute these targets because we're in an energy crisis. They did exactly the opposite. Yeah. They raised the targets uh, even further. So instead of, um, how how much was it, Uh, 40% uh, renewable energy, they came up with Mm 42.5%. Exactly. And Uh, also
0: all the macroeconomic worries, right, uh, that we're seeing that um, there is big reduction in emissions uh, from the power side. That is, I think, one thing. But part of the reason is because the demand has really been low, especially the industrial demand. And the question really is then, because that's another thing, right, we've seen uh, back in 2008, 2009, that climate targets, didn't take the forefront uh, when there was really blood in the streets, so, so to say. And I guess the question is a bit, at what point of pain in industry would there be maybe you know a dilution of targets? On the other hand, I have to say, maybe it's not even a question because uh, currently at least uh, we are headed towards 50 euros on on the carbon market and so the implementation question and maybe also to frame what I said earlier the implementation question currently for the EU ETS doesn't seem to be a problem right so emissions from power dropped somewhere around 25% Mm -hmm. last year and uh, in the industry side probably 5, 6, 7% uh, um, we'll have to see when the data is really out but so basically currently the demand falls way faster than the linear reduction factor and that's why we're seeing this dip in the prices
1: totally but we see the demand decreasing not really because energy efficiency has been applied in, mm. in industries or because they have really changed their, their production process. Mm-hmm. It's just because of the macroeconomical situation. It's just because on one side, the industries have, have had the possibility to, no, have had the, not the possibility, but have had to decrease their production on one side because of the energy price and because of the demand side that was absent. And regarding the, the uh, energy producers, it's also because on the demand side for them, uh, there was no demand from industrial. That, that's also had to decrease their, their activity levels. So I'm not sure that uh, energy efficiency programs have really been implemented in, in, in all the industries yeah. and that these 5 to 6% it's, emission decrease are really linked to that.
0: It's almost going
1: to slow it down,
0: right? Uh, I talked to a, uh, a company recently that was thinking of investing in carbon capture and storage, and they said very clearly, if we don't have prices of at least 120-ish, uh, for the long term, our board will never agree to that, so we we're basically putting them on hold, which is interesting for the market. You know, if you're if you're interested in the market, because then um, you, it basically creates volatility, right? So as much as we have a drop in prices now, we could actually then have a a strong increase because all of a sudden the front-loaded allowances will be missing, and those investments have maybe not been done. So it's almost like a by itself market forces that should actually cure the low price by itself eventually.
2: So you mentioned CCS. I mean, that needs a very high price signal, right? Yeah. 100 euros per tonne. Uh, but the, the factors which are at play at the moment is, on the one hand, very low industrial demand. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it wasn't energy efficiency, especially. We're, we're still recovering from the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget that. Plus an energy crisis, which came right after that, mm-hmm. uh, triggered by the uh, the war in Ukraine. So we're still in, in, in the midst of that recovering from uh, that period demand is still very low, that is depressing the market. We've mm-hmm. had some very high also uh, stocks when it comes to uh, to gas. We didn't get uh, the winter crisis that yeah. we had the previous winter, mm-hmm. uh, that is also due to policy. Mm-hmm. So, all these are you know good reasons that the prices are currently low. And the other thing, something that actually uh, Commissioner Hoogstra emphasized, he says the decarbonization in the power sector is happening fast, yeah, and the figures there. I think Amber, uh, another think tank, published the mm. figures only recently. It shows that the, the emissions from the car sector kept on decreasing to historic lows. Yeah, again. exactly. Um,
0: and and that's partly because renewables are pushing in, partly because industrials the have prices, less demand. The prices right? of renewables keep decreasing all the time. And French nuclear is much more stable now than this historic year of 2022. So that's the question now. You know, speaking... And then you
2: add on top of this, mm-hmm. the repower EU element of mm. front-loading ah, yeah. of auctions. I mean, all that is policy-driven, right? <laughs> and so when the ETS ex- was reformed, they decided to have these early auctions to front-load yeah. these uh, these allowances to give breathing space to uh, to European industry. Because at the time, we're s- we were still in the energy crisis. And what the policymakers were
0: worried was that the prices were getting too high. Yeah, and the, the, the problem with that from a market standpoint is... That repower EU volumes front loading is based on they want to raise 200 uh, 20, 20 billion, billion 20 billion euros, right? And so if you have a price of 100, that equals to 200 million. But if you have a price of 50 on average, that's yeah. 400, yeah. and you know it exponentially increases. So it's, exactly, um, and the more w- you withdraw. The more it depresses the prices, exactly. so you so, need to withdraw even more. And on the other hand, it's, it's, a, it's only a front-loading, you could say. So in theory, it should, you know, rebalance it somehow. But that's really the big question, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If normally, I would say, the market has, just like the oil market, right, there's a saying that the cure to low prices are low prices because then rigs are closed and eventually the price comes back up. Similar here, right, because investments will not be done. If it wasn't for that policy element. So I really wonder, will we see market intervention if prices drop my take and i don't think you know i need to make
2: uh, too many crazy uh, predictions here mm. you know like i said this is all policy driven they decided to front load at a time when the prices of energy were yeah, really high, high and mm-hmm. industry needed some more breathing space yeah it's completely up to the european commission now to decide when and if it's Mm. actually going to make use of that. I don't think there's anybody, and I haven't read the hundreds of pages of legislation, Mm. but I don't think there's anything in there telling the commission, you must get 20 billion out of the ETS in Mm. a given period of time. If the prices are too low, well, the commission probably will keep it on hold uh, maybe I don't think that's, that's written because I
0: mean, I, uh, if it's not written, um, that's definitely something we actually need to look and everybody I think needs to look into because uh, you need to have lawyers question. there looking yeah, at that. But yeah. I don't think
2: there's any obligation on uh-huh. the
0: European Commission to actually make use of this mm-hmm. if the prices are too low. And the, the other question is also: do, do you really need so much money when we have decarbonisation in the power sector, anyways? Do we really need that much in the Repower Utop? I'm not sure. Um, on the other hand, I, I gotta say, uh, let's just assume that the price does keep dropping and, you know, and we fly through basically the support levels at 50 and 40 and 30. I mean, we probably can agree that if the price drops to zero, at some point there would be an intervention, right? Of course, of course there
1: will be one. But I must say that I I agree with Frederick at at the moment because the goal of the the, the EU was to Mm. give a breather to the the industries. Uh, So current current low prices and because of the big big volumes that we have been talking about, the front loading and everything, have led to a very low price that we currently have. Mm. So that was their goal. Yeah, so that's right. I I don't see why they would now intervene on that market while the current market price is is where they want. Yeah,
0: exactly. And on the other hand, I mean, we have come from uh, when I started working in this market back in uh, 2013 or 14, we had prices maybe for somewhere around eight euros, and then eventually they were 20 not so long ago, and then it went to 100 very quickly. So maybe it's actually, especially in a time where you have European elections as well, and maybe right wing gaining grounds, maybe you're actually fine with lower prices, especially because you are going to meet the targets, right? The targets are set. So why not meet targets with a lower cost to society? I think this
2: this exactly what you inferred, uh, Brio. I think the prices now are where the policymakers want it to be. Mm. It's all happening now by design, and yes, there is a degree of political uncertainty mm-hmm. uh, because the elections coming up in June, and you don't, you never know what the new commission will decide uh, to do. But um, like I said, it's it's very unlikely that you're going to get a U-turn
0: on carbon pricing policies but, uh, or yeah. even on the Green Deal. They once and, asked uh, an MEP what's uh you know what is the what is the price that is too high, and he said something you know around hundred maybe above hundred is too much, and they asked him what what is the price that is too low, and he said something well I guess 50 euros would be is unlikely to be breached or something something it's, around it's right. a threshold yeah. so
2: I mean remember the first time that the 50 euro threshold was crossed mm. I mean it wasn't so long ago huh? yeah. uh, two three years Somewhere maybe, maybe something like this mm-hmm. and and when the prices got to 100 so that was that was last year first time the prices got to 100. Um, I remember very distinctly we were in 2021 the European Commission were in July 2021 the European Commission had just put forward its fit for 55 package. Uh, of legislation. I spoke to a trader then mm-hmm. uh, from ICIS and and he told me well with that minus 55% which was the higher end of the bracket mm-hmm. uh, remember they were hesitating between minus 50 or minus 55 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they chose minus 5. Yeah. Um, that trader told me okay with minus 55 by 2030 that should bring us close to 100 by 2030. As we get closer to 2030, that level was reached almost immediately, like one or two years uh, after. Um, So there was an immediate reaction to the policy signal Mm -hmm. that was being sent um, back in in the days. Now, if you try and project yourself Mm. to a a world where the European Commission puts a legislative proposal this time, for minus 90% mm-hmm. by yeah. 2040. What is the consequence of that? Well, there was predictions made by people at the London uh, Stock Exchange Group who said back then when Mr. Hookstra was being uh, interviewed yeah. in the uh, in the European Parliament that this would send the prices of US to 400. Well, now, no you can imagine about that, but <laughs> if the Commission now puts this proposal on the table, actual legislation yeah. and sticks uh-huh. to the 90% goal, which I believe is uh-huh. what... Is going to happen, and it could happen quite soon. Could be mm. this year. Could be next. But I don't think it will. Uh, they will wait for for that long. Well, you never know. The prices might cross the hundred uh, euro threshold pretty fast, pretty quickly, and and go. And further than that, what what, what I can tell you at the the, moment is that
1: my my clients and all the industries are very, very, very happy with current low prices and that they are happy that the EU is not doing anything to intervene and to keep these prices higher. Exactly. Maybe as a takeaway,
0: we can almost say uh, it's unlikely or even very unlikely that we see a market intervention at these levels, right? Eventually it would maybe happen, but I have my doubts even that at 40 euros, we would see too much about it. Maybe a headline here or there, maybe something, someone calling for speculators, getting out of the market or, or something to be changed about this repo, you but real market intervention is probably not really the for now at least the thing to watch when when it comes to the bottom uh or the potential bottom
2: there's always the market stability
0: reserve yeah. right yeah, even though it's it's uh, outperformed with those strong drops in, in demand, really, the 25% drop in, at the same time, you know, it, it cannot currently at least keep pace with it. But uh, what I want to say is, I think rather than this, the question really is, where does the power price go? Because if the power price currently keeps falling in line with carbon, if uh, the power price and gas, etc., would not do that, but if they would actually uh, you know, recover, uh, then all of a sudden, you would maybe have positive spreads for lignite and well lignite is still almost positive but especially for hard coal and fossil generation in 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 general and so that could be one signal when if if this happens when right, for example if there's i don't know outages in the french nucleus etc anything that can really stabilize the power price would mean that the uh, spreads would recover and that could basically make the market to bottom out. And another thing is what you, what you just mentioned, if if long-term speculation is basically saying, well, this is a, a great price to enter. I mean, where do I have commodities where uh, I'm at 50? I know it's going to go back to 100, right? That's om- almost a certainty. Uh, in the next two, three years, it's not such a bad return, right? So the question is, of course, who th- you know, who thinks so long-term the, you know, I know the funds are always saying of themselves, oh, we are very long-term. And then it turns out they're closing the positions every quarter. but. That's really that's that, that's really a key element. It's very hard to put our uh, fingers on because it's more sentiment driven or psychology driven than actually fundamentally driven yeah,
1: and that's also one of the reasons why I really doubt that there might be a market intervention is because all indications for 2025 and 2026 especially show that market will go up again especially with the big free allocation cut in 2026 mm-hmm. um, with a much higher demand on the secondary market will bring the EUA price much higher than it is now so I'm not sure there would be an intervention knowing that it will naturally go up in the coming years I think uh, those are good
0: last words thank you very much everyone for joining and thank you everyone uh, for listening in, and this concludes our episode.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Ferry.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Virtus Environmental Finance.
1: Join us every month for new episodes. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Stay tuned for our next episode.